JudgeCast. This is episode number 124. My name is CJ Schrader, and with me, as always, my frequently asked co-host. First off, we have Jess Dunks. Hey, this is Jess. And Brian Prillman. Hello, I prefer to be a release notes host. Oh. Release notes. Release notes. 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 Yeah, that's a hard that's a hard word to make All past right. tense. Release uh, the notes. <laughs> <laughs> As people have come to expect, this is our release notes show, of course. Limited Resources has their card review show. We have the much, much shorter release notes show because we don't have to talk about every card. Can you imagine if we did? Well, this slug is a 6-2 vanilla. I guess we could talk about combat with them. Hmm. Anyway. We would have a whole lot of entries that were just, okay, so this dies to shock. Moving on. <laughs> uh <laughs> All right, so I think we're going to dive right in because these shows tend to be a little bit lengthy, and we have kind of a a big topic here, which is the return of double face cards. So Jess and Brian know this, but before the episode, I was blown away to find out it's been four years since Innistrad, and I was like, what? Like, we weren't even recording, us three weren't recording JudgeCast yet. It was very close. Um, we didn't quite start, because I thought for sure we had an episode out there about double face cards, but... No, we I'm, talked about them a lot. Like, yeah, so so we don't have it. Uh, it's been four years since they were printed, but they were in standard for two years after that. So like we've mentioned it's definitely come up. It's and come up. Some, absolutely. There are a couple that see play in modern and one that sees play in legacy. So, yeah, uh, it, it comes up. Uh, so but double face cards are coming back and there's only going to be five of them on five mythics in the set. So we don't want to spend too long on double face cards, but at the same time, there's no way to briefly discuss double face cards. So <laughs> I disagree. <laughs> they have two faces. They turn over. Don't call them flip cards. That's oh no. To me. But if they, I flip them over. No, you don't flip no. them over. It's like oh well, I put them, I turn them face down. No, you don't. No, face, face down is different too. Oh no. Technically, you turn their back face up. <laughs> you, you turn them a what? front face and a back face, and one of those faces will be up. Oh, you know what? I they they changed it. It's no longer like the sun side and the moon side now. Right, 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 right. Yeah, oh, I noticed that. So um, we so so now we can finally get to go to the thing I've been saying for years, which is front face and back face. Thank you. Yeah, you win. I know. I think we even had that discussion on air once, where I said, "No, it's definitely night side. It says it in the rules." And then you're like, right. "No, it, it does." It was like, "No, it doesn't." And you were right. <laughs> you win. All right. So I, think I, I edited it out though. Yeah, I edited it out. Don't worry. No one else knew. <laughs> I'm gonna. Did edit you this really? Too. No, of course not. <laughs> oh, okay. I was gonna say, like, I didn't. I didn't know. I'm not that. <laughs> not that uh, vain, I guess. Um. All right. So, double face card, as you might guess, has two faces. It has the front face and the back face. So instead of the magic back, it has that back face, which is basically. Uh, I, I hear. I hear a rumor that in the next core set they're gonna do triple faced cards. What? What? Uh-huh. Um. So that front face has its own set of characteristics. The back face has its own set of characteristics. In this set, uh, all the five of the mythics um, are all young planeswalkers. So Jace and what is it? Kithian? So, so stupid. That is so stupid. It is not stupid. If this it's, was it's another very flavorful. He's like my favorite character. We could go on for a while about him. So. Kithian is such a dude, bro. Chandra. Anyway. It's them as humans, and then... Nissa. Um, <laughs> and then it's still human. <laughs> Nissa, oh, Nissa's an elf, that's right. Nissa's... Uh, well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, Fla- Come on, Flavor Man. Uh, right, so so Nissa is an elf. So if Nissa, like, we get to see, uh, like, young Link cosplay Nissa <laughs> in, in this set. I don't know <laughs> what's going on with that, but... 
sea, sea uh, just a bunch of material for sea, sea sprinkle or sea sparkle or uh, Christine Sprinkle is the person yes. I think of, and Uh-oh. she's pretty awesome. She's a, for those who don't know, she's a cosplayer that goes to a lot of Grand Prix with pretty awesome yes. costumes. Yes, this set gives her a lot of new uh, material. Yeah. Um, all right, back to double face cards. So. Like I said, the characteristics are complete, completely separate, right? Like the front face really doesn't affect the back face at all. Um, that back face also, so far, has never had a mana cost on it because you can't cast the back face. You can only cast the card for its front face. Like in all zones, except potentially the battlefield, that card has the characteristics of its front face. Yep. So it's the creature. It's the creature. It's not a planeswalker in your library. Right. It's not a planeswalker in your graveyard. So along those lines, uh, yes, they can be your commander. Because they are creatures. Legendary creatures. So when we had double face cards in the past, they had something that would make them transform, um, which means to turn it over, right? Pretty simple. Yep. That doesn't really work with planeswalkers, though, because planeswalkers only get loyalty counters as they enter the battlefield. And so if you had a planes uh, a creature on the battlefield and it transformed and on the backside was a planeswalker it would just go to the graveyard immediately and it would be the lamest mechanic in the world. What? Why is that? What? What? So, why does it just go to the graveyard right away? Because transforming does not count as entering the battlefield. It doesn't so, get them counters. It doesn't get any loyalty counters, so state-based actions would be like, get out. So, to get around that, instead of just changing the rules, all of these have uh, whatever condition makes them transform ends up exiling the card and then bringing it back transformed. I think I think that also the exiling uh, subtly deals with some other questions like, well, what happens if it's equipped? What happens if it's enchanted? Yeah, it, that it, kind of stuff. Yeah, because by exiling it, you're getting rid of all the counters, auras. Yep. Yeah, I think that's a great point too, Brad. Uh, it probably is meant to kind of help there. Then we don't have to worry about it. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. because of all that too, uh, I've seen this question a million times. But if you cast Moon Mist from Innistrad or Dark Ascension? Whichever side it's from. It's, trans- go ahead. Sorry. Which transforms all humans. That's why it was relevant to me that Nissa was an elf. You can't actually do this with her. Um, but it transforms. Oh, and she's in the same because she's in the color. They missed an opportunity. No, she's powerful and you're killing all your opponent's planeswalkers. See, your mono brain uh, deck now kills all their planeswalkers. Oh, so, so what you have to do is you have to fate transfer <clears throat> all the counters from, from Gideon onto your creature that becomes a planeswalker and then you moon mist and then it has that it has counters nailed it that is how we get there from that's here. how we get there um <laughs> but not nissa not nissa yeah definitely not Nissa. so other little rules things you can have both the planeswalker version of the card and the creature version of the card out at the same time so you can have gideon and kithian out or you can have nissa and planeswalker nissa out <laughs> Uh, that's that's no problem with the rules. Of course, you can't have two Planeswalker Nissas out or right. the Planeswalker Uniqueness rule kick in. So how's that How's that sit with you, uh, your Vorthosness, CJ? Oh, I don't care about that. Really? Yeah. Okay. The, I, the game can't... I mean, what, am I going to get mad about Ooze wearing boots? Who's I mean, if he didn't, boots? if he didn't use the last le- legend rule change, I think we're fine. Yeah, it, I I understand the game can't accurately reflect story so okay right all right there is there is one minor uh one other minor change i noticed uh i think this is new to this set i could be wrong maybe i'm just not paying attention but there's a minor uh templating change to legendary creatures um in that they are using personal pronouns to refer to them instead of it for creatures 
that's I think that's an exception for the uh, planeswalkers. Is that just for these guys? Yeah, because the planeswalkers generally um, always use personal pronouns, except Ashiok. Okay, so it might just be for these five cards. Yes, it might be. I didn't look at the other legendaries. I don't know. I didn't um, either. Hmm. Preparation. And I don't think we're going to talk about any of them, oddly enough. But yeah, these characters are so important. It's easy to just use their personal pronouns. I just found it interesting when I was reading, uh, I think it's Chandra, and it was like, return her to the battlefield, transform yeah. under her owner's control. I was like, that's a really weird templating. Yeah, it drives people insane because uh, Chandra's parents in the set, they're two people, but it, it refers to them as like it or something yes, like that. Yes, but it, if you annul them, they get a divorce. It's really sad. Oh, that's sad. Oh, Flavor magic. Oh, They seem so in love. What's the garbage? <laughs> All right. <laughs> So a double face card. Uh, if it's already on the battlefield, <laughs> I was really going to skip this, Brian. If what? it's already on the battlefield, dude, they're in standard at the same it time. It can't be. T- well, this part isn't. No. If a double face card is already on the battlefield, it cannot become face down, and that's because it doesn't have a face down. It only it only has two face ups. So, so the only way to do that is with uh, it's a Batman villain, Ixadron. So, and maybe a couple other cards. So that can't happen. However. A double face card in your library can be manifested, which might seem a little counterintuitive, but it's not that crazy to me because the double face card is already face down in your library. Right. So you just take it from there and put it on the battlefield, and now it's and manifested. So, and so the whole the whole reason I, I put this in CJ is just because so many people think that they've found a way to break planeswalker, break these planeswalkers by like, oh, if I manifest it, it's face down, so its planeswalker side is up, so I got me a planeswalker. No, because no. if that was true, then you wouldn't be able to uh, pay the cost to turn it face up because the planeswalker side doesn't have a cost. That may be the first time I've ever heard the phrase, I got me a planeswalker. <laughs> I got me a planeswalker. So, yeah, I, I don't think I've heard that before. Really? You haven't come to pre-releases in Florida then. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Clearly. Clearly. Um, I got me a Planeswalker. So let's talk about playing with the double face cards a little bit. Now, we're, we're, I think we're probably going to take a little bit of a risk here because the MTR comes out next week. Yeah. But we're going to talk about the the way it worked in uh, in uh, 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 Innistrad block because all indications are it's going to be nearly identical. Go ahead, Brian. Okay, so uh, double face cards. Um, if you if you go to a draft or something like that, and you 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 you, you do the thing and you get your deck. Um, obviously, if you don't put it in sleeves, um, and you draw your seven, well, that eighth card right there, if it's a planeswalker facing you, you know what that card's gonna be. Uh, and we don't want you to know what cards are where in your deck. So uh, Wizards has provided, uh, there's two options really that you can go with to prevent this. Uh, the f- first option is in packs, uh, some number, some distribution, there are going to be what's called checklist cards. These are cards that have a magic back. And on the front of it, it'll list the five planeswalkers and it'll have like a little circle where you can get your pen and fill in the little dot for nissa and these look way cooler than the industry ones did by the way they do they do like a little picture of the character and everything well because it's it's only five as opposed to like 20 20, yeah right yeah so you you fill in you fill in the little mark and you say okay and you put this checklist card uh in your deck instead of the planeswalker 
Okay. Um, and then when you play, and then you play that checklist card as though it was the the, the legendary creature that the planeswalker is going to become, and then. When you put it on the battlefield, then you just reach over to your your deck box or whatever and pull that planeswalker out and put it in place of the checklist card. Yeah, you'd think it goes without saying, but you must actually have the planeswalker too. Yeah, that's that's if for whatever reason you get like a single Nissa, that doesn't mean that you can get three checklist cards, mark Nissa on all three, and then put those in your deck. You actually have to have a one to one relationship between the 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 checklist card and the uh, the actual uh, double face planeswalker card. Right. Uh, this this came up during Innistrad with like Garrick. Uh, we we had a, a, a small group at a PTQ. There were four of them play Garrick, and and they uh, they were like, well, we never have more than one on the field at a time, so let's just split the four Garricks we have up between the play group. <laughs> uh, yeah, that didn't that didn't go over well. No, That's funny. If if you have a if you have a checklist card in your deck, represent one of these cards, and you do not have a physical, a one-to-one uh, uh, actual card of that, well, then you don't actually have a 40-card or 60-card deck. Now, okay, let's say that you don't, you don't want to have the checklist card. You don't have the checklist card. I and mean, the whole checklist card is supposed to really deal with the situation of people not wanting to play with sleeves because sleeves are not required to play casual games of Magic. And not or if they want to play with sleeves that are slightly transparent. Or you want to play with your favorite sleeve. So, so um, the other way of playing with these Planeswalkers in your deck is to use sleeves. Not just any sleeves, opaque sleeves, sleeves that you cannot see through. This was actually a big thing in Innistrad block. People would play with sleeves that weren't exactly opaque. And sure enough, when you're shuffling, you could actually tell that next card is a Huntmaster of the Fells. Or not a hunt, a ravager of the fells, because you see it's back. Um, those are that's problematic uh, at all levels of play. Uh, so please, please, please make sure your sleeves are opaque. Um, a good way to check is when you put the card in. Okay, and there's normally with the planeswalker, there's like a line dividing. If you just slide the card forward and backwards in the sleeve, if you see the picture move. Or that line, that divider between the art and the the text box move. Well, you don't have an opaque sleeve. Um. So, and then the final thing is when you are drafting. Okay, the question is: Well, I open up my pack and I pull the cards out in my hand. Well, I got I got a card showing to my my you know the other people at the table. Uh, how do I deal with that? How do I hide that fact? And the answer is you really don't. If you pick uh, Kithian, or however you pick Kithkin, um, <laughs> if you pick him, you have to put him down on the top of the stack of cards that you're drafting. You can't pick up the stack and hide him in there. You just put him smack dab on the top, and everyone can see that you are playing white. And that is not putting you at a disadvantage, no matter what you think. <laughs> You, right. You got Kithian. You got Kithian. Um, yeah. I'm, so with those checklist cards, I'm a little curious how common they'll be because my understanding is like tokens that are solely generated by planeswalkers today and emblems, you know, they're kind of rare. They're rarer than a goblin token. So yes. I, I hope they print the checklist cards more often than would statistically be necessary for, you know, a mythic. 
Well, they yeah. would probably print it. So, so imagine they had five different mythics that made the same token. They would print it that often. Yeah. Like it's just five times whatever the number. I just is. I'm just imagining a situation where it's like at the pre-release, you know, like four guys open uh, uh, the the double faced planeswalkers, and five guys open the tokens, and they're different guys, and they go, okay, well, can I have your tokens? And the answer is going to be at the pre-release, it's going to be no. So I, I would I would. Obviously, I've not opened or seen any of the pre-release packs, but I'd be very surprised if they didn't include at least one in every single pre-release. Oh, well, pack. I believe I believe I read somewhere where in the pre-release kits there are going to be tokens, but like if you just have like you know like a random you know sealed with with six packs or whatever, um, you're probably going to have that that problem. And another thing is, um. With Innistrad and Dark Ascension, and we'd go to GPs and stuff like that, players were always asking, do you have any checklist cards? Do you have any checklist cards? Please don't assume that judges have stacks and stacks of checklist cards. Because we don't. Because we, yeah, we don't. Um, And so one other thing, and you did mention this, but I want to make it clear, is that you do actually have to mark the checklist card. You can't be like, well, I only have one Nissa total in my entire deck or pool or whatever so obviously it's a nissa you still need to mark it right and and while while these feel a lot like proxies they aren't there are they are cards that the rules of the game support so it is not a situation of oh i got a i got a kitian i like saying that card name i got a kitian but i don't have a checklist judge can i just sharpie a planes yeah the answer is no Nope, has to be a checklist card. Has to be a checklist card, and if you don't have a checklist card, well, you're using opaque sleeves, or you're not playing your Kithian. Kithian Eora. They actually mentioned him in a card on in a Theros. Did you know that? Uh, they mentioned his irregulars, don't they? Yeah, they do. It's like, look at uh, that. Look at you guys. Look at me, man. At I, knew so- I knew something about flavor text on a set from two years ago. All right, Jess, you're the most renowned judge I know. <laughs> Would you like to talk about renown? Sure. That's not so, actually that can't be true because Brian got more um, exemplars than anyone else in the program, I think. Oh, but she didn't know. But who has? But who has more Facebook friends? Uh oh. Top five. I don't. Uh oh. I'll find out while you talk about renown. Okay. That's not fair, so, man. So, so uh, renown is a mechanic um, that's written down as renown. N or whatever number like could be run out of one or renowned two. Um, and it means whenever uh, that creature deals combat damage to a player, if it isn't already renowned, it gets that many plus one plus one counters, whatever the number was, and becomes renowned. It's basically monstrous uh, in the, if you remember, cards from Theros became monstrous and they got counters and they could not become monstrous again. And similarly, these cannot become renowned again. And just because it has a counter doesn't mean it's re- it's renowned. Uh, th- they're technically separate things, but they will almost always go together. So it's kind of a marker for being renowned. Um, so uh, it, it doesn't trigger if you deal damage to a planeswalker or creature. It specifically has to be combat damage to an opponent. Um, well, I suppose technically it's combat damage to a player. So if you somehow manage to give it, make it do combat damage to yourself, but I don't think you can do that. Uh, <laughs> actually, no, there is a way to do that. Never mind. Yeah, uh, I think so, there's a card in this set that might do it. Uh, so uh, anyway, if you harm's way it to yourself uh, <laughs> for some reason, 
um, then then it will still trigger. Uh, but what this does, it puts through an out ability on the stack. Um, and that means that if it deals, you know, let's say you give it trample and deal some amount of damage to the opponent, but also dies in the process. Just because the ability triggered doesn't mean it survives. It has to resolve. Um, so if a renowned creature, let's see what else. If a renowned creature becomes a copy of another creature, then it's it's still technically renowned. I, I know we went over this with Monstrous when that was new. Um, it's technically renowned, so it may have some new abilities because of that, depending on what the card is, but it cannot become renowned again because it's a copy of another creature. So not re-renowned? Um, I think that that might make it unnowned. Unnowned. Um, <laughs> Denowned. Denowned. So, so is next next set when they're when they're trying to run out, they're starting to run out of abilities. They'll have like re-adjective and reverb, or like multi kicker, multi kicker, <laughs> or, or, or mega, mega morph. morph. <laughs> mega morph. <laughs> so you say next set, but uh, all right. yeah, we're already there. Important update: Jess Dunks, five hundred sixty-one friends. Brian Prilliman. 522. Jess wow. is the winner. I renowned 561. Well, hold on. Well, I'm just going to go to my pending friend requests yeah. and catch up real quick. Turner has 1,000, so... Yes. Um, I have like 200-something, because I've said this a few times, but I don't I don't accept uh, friend, fans' friend requests. Sorry. <laughs> Unless I've met you in person. So, Man... But next 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 uh, next episode next episode we're gonna do this tally again. It's gonna be a different story. Yes. We're starting an arms war here. <laughs> All right, let's talk about spell mastery, the other new mechanic, because this set needed two new mechanics, one returning one, and then two others that are kind of returning, but they became evergreen. So, spell mastery. Here's an example card: fiery impulse. Fire Impulse deals two damage to target creature. Spell Mastery. If there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Fire Impulse deals three damage to that creature instead. So, basically, Spell Mastery is an ability word, and all it really means is if there are two or more instant or, and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, something might happen. Uh, it, it changes based on the card, but something will happen. Uh, the important... Oh, good. No, it's just something. Uh, something. So, the important thing here is uh, all of these Spell Mastery abilities... Um, well, except for one I can think off the top of my head, but most of them are checked as the spell resolves. So if you fiery impulse someone's creature and in response they exiled your graveyard, you uh, would only be dealing two damage because you no longer have two instant or sorcery cards in your graveyard. Uh, yeah. A lot of these are self-replacement effects, but not all of them. Um, so spell, like I said, spell mastery is an ability word. It just means it ties a bunch of similar mechanics together so they can act a little differently. Uh, for example, one has spell mastery and it gives that card flash. You know, obviously that's checked as you cast it, not yeah. before then. Uh, and then <laughs> there's another that has like scry tacked onto it if you have spell mastery. Yeah, and actually let's talk about that one because you you added in here that sometimes you could actually gain spell mastery during the resolution of a spell. Yeah. Uh, so actually, that's it right there. Is there's a spell that counters target spell unless you pay three, and then if you have spell mastery, you, you scry two or three. I don't remember how mm -hmm. many. Um, so if you countered your own spell, so you fire impulse the opponent's creature and then cast this uh, spell mastery mana leak targeting your own spell and you only had one instant in your graveyard, well, now you have a situation where it the first line will resolve first. So it will say, uh, or happen first, I shouldn't say resolve. Uh, it'll happen first and it'll counter the fire impulse. Thereby, Therefore, when we check spell mastery, which is the next line, 
you now have two instants or sorceries in your graveyard, so you'll actually right. get to scry. So I guess so, you really need to scry. Right. So so the the point is with with this is it's sort it's sort of like force away from comms, right? Which had a return target creature to its owner owner's hand, and then ferocious if you control a creature with power four or greater. The thing was if you cast force away on your own uh, dude. And he was, and it was the only one that uh, had the power four or greater. You know, you cast it thinking that you're going to get to draw a card. Well, you're going to lose ferocious in the middle of casting that spell. Yeah. And this is you can gain. So you do you do the the things in the order in which they're written, the actions in the order in which they're written. All right, Brian, you're the most menacing judge I know. Well, but I have less friends. Yeah. It's- well, maybe that's you. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to argue. Brian can have that one. Yeah. Okay. okay. All right. <laughs> Menacing is uh, a new keyword. It's uh, replacing uh, uh, intimidate, which was replacing fear. Uh, it is a new keyword that means can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. Uh, so um, it's pretty pretty simple you have uh i attack you with a creature that's menacing uh you've got to take two dudes and shove it in front of the creature um and you you have to make that legal block so you you have the two two uh two creatures and after the block is made if one of those creatures gets destroyed well that that uh that menacing guy is still blocked yeah so the sad part about menace is it makes muragon to petroglyphs worse because they are going to errata old cards, uh, like Goblin War Drums, that say, you know, it used to say each creature you control can't be blocked except by two or more creatures. It'll now say each creature you control gains menace. So now it has an ability. So now Miragon to Petroglyphs doesn't affect it. What? Bums me out, man. Man, of all the episodes to have Tayback on, well, this should have been the one where we could say, like, what's the deal? You took Anteaters away. Yeah. And now you do this to us. Just like Indestructible weakened Miragon to Petroglyphs, Menace has also now weakened it. And they're just nerfing all these cards. They're just nerfing that one card all the time. Um, that was like the worst card ever, right? Like, it's it's not even a good card. Okay. Oh, no, no, How no. How about the, now? It, the 8 the eight O Trample green creature. Uh, wasn't it 6, like, negative 2? Isn't there a negative 2 creature? There's a creature with a... Yeah, there's, like, a negative 2, negative 2 creature. It's, like, Spinal Parasite or something. Yeah, now uh, I'm looking it up. It also... Okay, if you had Humility out with old Goblin War Oh, jeez. If you played... If you had Goblin War Drums out, then you played Humility with old text, your creature still couldn't be blocked by, except for by two or more creatures. But okay. now with new text, they lose Menace. Here we go. Check this out. Uh-oh. From Fifth Dawn, it's a it's an uncommon. For five mana, you get an artifact creature insect. Minus one, minus one. Nice. Okay, with Sunburst, uh, this creature enters the battlefield with plus one, plus one counters each equal to the for each color of mana spent to cast it. And then you can remove two plus one, plus one counters from Spinal Parasite to remove a counter from target permanent. Although that was pre-Planeswalkers. It has a little more utility now. Wait, 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 what card is this? It's called Spinal Parasite. Okay. And I it's, think it's, I think there might even be another one out there with a minus power toughness. That's what I'm I think there's one with a minus two toughness only. Maybe. There's, a, there's an 8-0. I know that. Yeah, I might be confusing with the 8-0. A green, like a Force of something from Time Spiral. Force yeah. of Savage. Yeah, there, there is that There is that card. Uh, and yeah, it's got a zero toughness and a ridiculous power and... 
it's just not good. 8-0 trample for two and a green. Yeah. All right. So it's also worth mentioning that uh, Scry has become evergreen and Prowess has also become evergreen. Um, I don't think they're going to actually errata old cards to give them Scry because that actually does affect the power level of cards that aren't Miragonda Petroglyphs. But I also don't think we need to go into the rules for Scry and Prowess because it feels like they're in... Well, they were just in uh, Tarkir yeah. and Scry's been in like every other set. So wait, wasn't Scry in Khan's? Mm, no. No, but the Scry lands are... Maybe it was... You're thinking there, it was there Theros. Are lots, it was in Theros. Yeah, it was Theros. So yeah. Scry is, Scry is uh, very straightforward. You just Scry X, where you look at the top X cards of your library and you, you put them back on the top or bottom in any order. Yep. Yeah. So, and another quick note before we really dive into the card-by-card card talk is that if you remove um, all of a spell's targets, you actually end up countering the spell... So if it has three targets and you remove only two of the counter, two of the targets, you're not going to count as well. It has to be every target the spell has. Um, that is that it applies to so many cards in every one of these set reviews that we might as well just say it up front and then not need to talk about it all the time. But we'll probably still say it at some point during the episode. Like on this next card right, right on here. This next card that just has up to three next... targets. All right. Oh. Ariel Volley. <laughs> do you want me to do this since you curse my name for adding it? No, it's fine. I do it. The strictly when better. We were doing this, when we were doing the show notes, he he added a bunch of cards, and then I added this one, and he messages me. He's like, "I knew you were gonna add Aerial Volley." <laughs> it's not necessary. All right, Aerial Volley. Aerial Volley deals three damage divide as you choose among one, two, or three target creatures with flying. So, so you can only like each target you choose. If you choose to have two targets, you have to do damage to each of them. So if you choose three targets, you have to do one to each. If you choose two targets, it has to be two and one. And if you choose one target, obviously it has to be three. You can't try to do any illusion tricks and, and kill a third creature by, and only do damage to the other two. It just doesn't work. Um, you do get to choose which one's going to take two and which one's going to take one. And you make that choice while casting the spell. So the opponent does get to know that information in case they want a giant growth something or something like that. Uh, the target, it does have actually a targeting restriction of uh, creatures with flying. So if the creature loses flying, like a mist dragon, maybe, then it'll become an illegal target and not take any damage. You know, when we're going over these shows and you get a little fussy because I <laughs> I, I reference old cards. I love you, mist dragon. And you pull out mist dragon. Mist dragon's so good. All right. Someone talk about the next okay. one. And it's the next one. The order will go in. Sure, I'll take it. You got it. Uh, so we've got Alchemist Vial is a... Wow, this card is boring, dude. Why Why is this card here? <laughs> because of that. Be- like, seriously. Because, no, you, do you okay. want to know the real reason? Yeah, right. It's because when, when CJ was adding them to the lists, he was starting off in the A's. Yeah, this is and the first he, card I added. This, and, yeah, and, this, and he hadn't gotten to the I am exasperated with this. I'm pulling cards out. Right. Mode right. Yet. If you okay. notice our, our release notes, we tend to trail off when you are around the M's. It ends in the, the T. Yeah. The last one's in the T. And there's cards that start with W in this set. All right. So Algo's <laughs> Vile, uh, when it enters the battlefield, you draw a card. So this is a new toy for eggs. Um, <laughs> you, you can tap one or pay one mana, tap, sacrifice Alchemist Vile. And target creature can't attack or block this turn. Um, so you can doing this, you know, after blockers are declared, doesn't do anything and you can't stop something from attacking after it's already attacked. 
Uh, but I feel like there's nothing else interesting about this. There isn't, but that um, will come up at the pre-release. Don't act like that won't come up at the pre-release. Where someone's going to attack and they're like, well, first I'm going to do that. No, you or, don't get to know what they're attacking with. I mean, the art on this card is cool. It's notable for, like, I really like the, the we're going to throw these things together and it explodes art. It's a Pokeball or something, right? It's not a Pokeball. No? <laughs> I mean, I guess maybe you could you could say it's a Pokeball. All right, Ryan, you get to talk about the archive that you sassed me about. <laughs> okay. I, I missed a key portion of it. Yeah, so, so we, all right. So this is Al Hammeret's, Al Hammer, it's. I'll, I'll Hammer it. I'll <laughs> Hammer, Hammer it. Yeah, okay, I think I had it right the first time. Uh, it's a legendary artifact for five mana that says, uh, if you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. And if you would draw uh, a card except the first one you draw in each of your draw steps, draw two cards instead. So now this card kind of reminds me of another card called Karak's Thumb, which is if you flip a coin, you flip two coins instead. And the reason why they made Karak's Thumb legendary is because they didn't want to answer the question of what happens if you get two out at a time. Karak. Right, and then Kr- it, it is Krark. And Krark. just when I thought this card couldn't be worse, you go and bring up one that actually is. <laughs> <laughs> What's wrong with this card? Okay, you so, this revelation out with this. You're winning. Like you're winning. Okay, that game. so so except that you had to cast this first, and it yes. paid for itself with double cards. It's like you don't even play this game, Jess. <laughs> <laughs> so if you have Alhamaret's archive out and a mirror gallery out, which tells you that the legend rule doesn't apply. You have two of these out. So they don't go infinite. If you have two of them, they don't go infinite with each other. So if you would gain life, you gain twice that much life instead. You would actually just gain four times the amount of life instead of double, 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 double for forever. If you have a mirror gallery. And and that was that was the that was the part this feature just Okay, so uh, also effects that set your life total to a specific number, um, such as, you know, your life total becomes 10 or that that tree that sets your life total to its toughness. Uh, Uh, Tree of redemption. Tree of redemption. Okay, it is setting your life total is considered gaining or losing life, whatever is necessary to make it be that number. So if you are at two and you your life is set to 13 because of tree of redemption well you just gained 11 life so you are going to gain 22 life and you are now at 25 yay wow and so this is all because uh basically like say there's the life gain situation right and you're gaining five life and you have two of these archives out well why do you gain why don't you gain 10 right uh it's because you gain five which goes through this little tube and gets doubled and then it continues going through the tube, and it has another replacement effect that's like, no, we're doubling that again. So in the end there, you would gain 20. Uh, this actually is relevant on other cards in the set. Like, there's one that when you cast a red instant or sorcery, um, it or when instant or sorcery control deals damage, I think, uh, it deals one additional damage. So, like, those would stack. So you'd end up doing two damage if you had two of those guys out or something like that. So just think, it helps to think of it as, if you think of it as, like, Furnace of Wrath. Right, if uh, which doubles the the damage, uh, which doubles damage done. Uh, so I have two of them, and I cast lightning bolt. Well, I'm gonna do 12 points of damage. I don't do the game doesn't end. I don't do infinite. It, it kind of helps yeah. to think of it with damage because 
I don't know why. Yeah, for some reason, people think that, like, when they see draw a card like this and, and it replaces the draw, they think they just draw infinitely just somehow. Draw I, I don't yep. get that. Because they know enough to know that that replacement effect doesn't apply to itself again, like, right then. Otherwise, they you would just draw. Right, I guess one. I guess they think of it's like, well, that card draw is gone. It's now this new card draw, so I get to replace it because it's new. But with damage, it's they're maybe thinking, oh, well, it's still the same damage. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. All right. So Archangel of Tithes, uh, one white, white, white. She has flying. All right, she's an angel. All angels and magic are women. Oh, really? Don't email me about the time spiral shift, time shifted one, the uh, alternate dimension one, planar chaos. Yeah, the, of something of the dawn. Yeah. Is there yeah. is there one of those? Oh, yeah, there's, there's a male one. angel, man. Yeah, there's I'm now one. looking it up. Wait, wait, which he's one is alternate it? dimension angel. He's in either Planar Chaos or Future Sight? It'd be Planar Chaos, because that's the alternate dimension set. Hmm. Hmm. Looking, looking, looking. Not... Ma- Malik, not be that Malik, M-A-L-A-C-H, Malik of the Dawn. He is a time-shifted ghost ship. Cool. We always needed that. <laughs> yeah, from, the, I think, the dark. Yeah. Hmm. All right, it's Archangel of Tides. As long as Archangel of Tides is untapped, creatures can't attack you or a planeswalker you control unless their controller pays one for each of those creatures. And also has the ability, as long as Archangel of Tides is attacking, creatures can't block unless their controller pays one for each of those creatures. So this gets a little weird in Two-Headed Giant because you attack the team or you attack planeswalkers that each player controls individually. So, for example, I couldn't... So, say... Say I'm playing against Jess and Brian. Jess has the Archangel out, and Brian does not. I cannot attack Jess or Planeswalker Jess controls without paying one, but I could attack a Planeswalker that Brian controls. But since you attack the team, I can't attack um, the team without paying one. So it gets a little weird there. I was on mute. I couldn't stop you from not using Bitty Kitty and Milkshake. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I forgot we had it. We have a standard Um, for this. We do. And you, you blew it, man. I did blow blew it. it. I'll edit that out. Uh, and it, <laughs> not really. Uh, and then also, if you have a creature that has to attack or block each turn, like we have a Juggernaut Jr. in this set, um, you're not forced to pay one. So you don't have to attack with that creature. You just say, I'm not going to pay the mana. It's too much. I simply won't pay it. Yeah. It's Ghostbusters. Ghostbusters. Reference. It's fine. It's fine. This is fine. All right. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Uh, are we ready to move on from that card, or was there anything else we no, need to talk we, about? We were yeah. born ready. Um, I do love that, like, the Archangel of Tides does nothing that is in quantities of 10. Yeah, I, I, you know what? I thought about that as I was reading the card. I was like, I feel like something 10 base should be on here. Right, nothing 10 at all. Like, yeah. do you even add anything up to 10 from this card? I guess uh, if they attack with 10 creatures. Well, what if it was a tithe of a tithe? Then that would get you down to one. Got there. Because it says uh, tithes, plural. <laughs> so there's multiple tithes. So we're multiple tithing tithes. a tithe? So like, now, yeah. so, the well, yeah. has, like, so the regular angels take a tithe, and then the archangel takes a tithe from the tithe? Is that what you're well, saying? Yeah, we'll okay. see. It has an implied mirror gallery, so that you could have two. No, didn't work. Nope. Bad joke. Okay. Moving on. Okay. Moving on. <laughs> I killed it. Moving on, we have... Uh, Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh. Also known as Chandra, Roaring Flame. Is that really? Yeah. What? Oh, oh, that's the other side of the card. Okay. Yeah, no, that wasn't a, a name that 
Jess made up in his fan fiction. Wait, I really thought that Jess had just made up a name, and I was yeah. like, really? That's what you're calling her? And then, oh. No. Oh, look at that. Also known as Gideon, soldier of Theros. Right. Also known as Gideon, super mega dude bro. <laughs> uh, so... Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh, uh, costs one and two red, is a legendary creature, human shaman, which barely fits on the type line. <laughs> and I mean, it's not the longest type in magic, but it might be. It's, it's, it's up there. Um, whenever you cast a red spell, untap Chandra, Fire of Kaladesh uh, and tap. And Chandra deals one damage to target player. If Chandra has dealt three or more damage this turn, exile her, then return her to the battlefield, transformed under her owner's control. That three damage does not have to come from that ability, nor does it need to be combat damage. It can be any kind of damage. Uh, and it could be to anything. It doesn't matter what the damage was dealt to, just that it's a total of three. Um, I guess we should mention the damage has to actually be dealt, though. It yes, be it can't prevented. be prevented. Yeah. Uh, so if something were to, say, prevent damage and deal it again, that doesn't count as her dealing it. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Uh, then the 2-2 Chandra is exiled, comes back as Chandra Roaring Flame, and is a Planeswalker Chandra with three abilities. Um, first ability deals two damage to target player. The second ability deals two damage to target creature. And the third ability deals six damage to each opponent. Each player dealt damage this way gets an emblem. So this is the second Planeswalker, I think, the only one of these five, that gives your opponent an emblem. Um, it says, at the beginning of your upkeep, this emblem deals three damage to you. So basically, that ultimate just kills everyone. <laughs> uh, Matt Tabak. So, yeah, the, the little trick there is if you're in a multiplayer game and you give your opponent the emblem and then you lose the game, the emblem stays because they, right. they own the emblem. And Matt Tabak described that as the uh, the player continues to burn, which I love. <laughs> I love that. It's an old reference at this point. Um, yes. to, uh, so what was he, the card? The land continues to burn. What yeah. was the card? It was from Zendikar? Yeah, it was from Zendikar. So, uh, yeah, I remember that it put, it put flame counters on your lands or something. What kind of, what kind of counter was that? Anyway, uh, so the interesting things about Chandra, um, I already mentioned that uh, that. It, the ability works no matter how much damage you've dealt with Chandra, but the, uh, the she won't be exiled and come back unless you use the tap ability. So she doesn't just automatically transform just because you dealt three damage with her. If you attack her and just like brute strength her or something, and she 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 hits her five, she doesn't automatically transform. She has you still have to activate that ability. Yeah, I think yeah, I think that's going to get some people. I mean, you would just brute strength her, deal five, and then tap and deal one, and, and then transform her, but that's not the point. Well, you have to attack, ha- then brute strength to untap her. Yeah, that's what I said. Is it? Jeez. Is it? Jeez. Okay. Yeah, so. but, you know, I just, I guess I forgot my trigger in my explanation. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's interesting, because um, she's also, I think, one of the few ones without a uh, a trigger to transform her. She uh, transforms through this ability. Oh yeah, that's right. he has one too. Um, and another thing we didn't mention about these these is because I didn't notice it at first. Um, is they always return to the battlefield under their owner's control. So yes, active treasoning these these gentlemen and ladies, and then trying Elves. to get off and uh, use their thing to transform them is not going to work out well for you. Hmm. Hmm. I just like the, the fact that she can do so much damage. On the turn that on the turn that she she transforms, two, 
two to well, five. Two, three, two plus three. Three, at least three you already did. Yeah. yeah. And presumably you cast a, a, a red spell or two, maybe doing more, and then flip it, and then uh, plus one or minus two or... Yeah. Wait, uh, yeah, there's a card, uh, Chandra's Explosion, I think. Um, also not on here, but it makes a creature deal, da- deal damage <clears throat> equal to its power to each other creature and player. That card is almost guaranteed to get you into range to uh, to be able to transform her, which I think is kind of cool. Because it's about her. All right, Brian. All right. You do some dark dabbling in your off time. Dark dabbling. Wait, let me do dark <laughs> who, who dabbling. Told, who told you? Let me do dark dabbling and you can get the next one. Oh, man. <laughs> I, hate, I hate you. The next one's like a stupid EDH card. You'll love it. He's got a lot of words, man. <laughs> oh. Uh, you're really letting me? Okay, I'm taking no, it. No, no, go for it. I'm go seizing the it. opportunity. All right, Dark Dabbling says, Regenerate target creature, draw a card. And Spell Mastery, if there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, also regenerate each other creature you control. So, a couple things. Uh, first off, this is a prime discussion about if you remove the only target, it counters the entire spell. Uh, so, even if with Spell Mastery, you wouldn't, if somebody removed the targeted creature, none of your creatures would regenerate this turn. But also, we should discuss real quickly what it means to regenerate a creature, because I think this is a little confused. Um, so when you regenerate a creature, it really means what you're doing is you're putting this shield around it. And what that shield does is that the next time that creature would die due to lethal damage or a destroy effect, the regeneration shield says, nah, not going to happen. Instead, we're going to tap this creature and remove it from combat. So that's what regenerating a creature means. So if you do this to one of your creatures, you have to do it before the effect, obviously, that would kill the creature or the combat damage or whatever. And, uh, and it'll have that shield until the end of the turn. Oh, also worth minting in case, I don't know, in case you miss it. Uh, you draw the card immediately as the spell resolves, not when the creature's regeneration shield actually gets used up. Sorry, Brian. All right. <laughs> this is this is my undoing here. Yes. Uh, the card is Day's Undoing. It's two and a blue for sorcery. Each player shuffles his or her hand and graveyard into his or her library, then draws seven cards. Up, oh, it's a it's a time twister. Oh, oh, wait. Here's there's another sentence on the card. <laughs> uh, if it's your turn, end the turn. Um. So, uh, what ending the turn means? This is this is pretty brutal. It means uh, spells and abilities currently on the stack are exiled. Which uh, which includes this uh, includes days undoing because it is on this is on the stack when uh, when the turn is ended. Um, you're going to check state based actions, uh, then uh, you're going to immediately, uh, but you don't put any triggers on the stack yet. You immediately end the current phase or step and go to cleanup. Then cleanup happens, and then any triggers that. Uh, that would go on the stack, go on the stack at that point. So it, it doesn't necessarily exactly mean nothing can happen after the turn is ended. You still have to have a cleanup. Uh, so if you have like eight cards in your, you know, well, like, well, you know, you have seven cards in your hand because Days Undoing says so. Um, but you still have to have a cleanup. Uh, damage on creatures has to wear off, all that kind of stuff. And that's just kind of how the, the game does that. So the last thing that happens has to be the cleanup. And any triggers that happen during the cleanup or, or happen as a result of checking state-based actions are going to be put on the stack there. Um, 
things that that were on things that trigger before we start ending the turn never go on the stack. Okay, so for example, uh, draws trigger. Uh, it's not going to be it's not going to be put on the stack. And then uh, at the beginning of your next end step triggers won't happen uh, because you're you're skipping right over your next end step. Um, yeah, but any triggers that are on the stack get removed. And then finally. The whole, if it's your turn, end of the turn, the reason why they say if it's your turn, because I guess they found that in some formats, cast it, you know, doing stuff so that you can cast this on your opponent's turn becomes really, really you know, making it so that this is an instant giving it flash yeah. is really, really, really powerful. That seems pretty powerful. It uh, does. So, you know what? I actually got a question about this one. Um, I had almost forgotten about it from Adrian Avant of the Leaving a Legacy podcast. He actually he actually did a quick interview with me because he's at a local store of mine, and uh, he asked what happens if uh, you cast this and the opponent has hive mind out. Which I almost just walked away because that's my general response for a hive mind question. But uh, it's not too bad because and it and it has that clause come into effect because what will happen is hive mind will trigger, so the opponent will get their copy of Days Undoing. So each person will go ahead and do the whole shuffle your library into the blah 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 shuffle your graveyard, draw seven cards. Um, but it won't end the turn because it's not the opponent's turn, the opponent's copy's turn. So then you, everyone could cast instants or something if they wanted to. And then finally, the original Days Undoing would resolve and do all that other garbage. Yep. All right. Jess, you want the next one? It's Sweet. a fun one. Demonic Pact. This is an enchantment, which makes it probably bad. This is an enchantment <laughs> that costs two generic mana and two black mana. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose one that hasn't been chosen. Demonic Pack deals four damage to target creature or player, and you gain four life. Target opponent discards two cards, draw two cards, or you lose the game. So this is interesting in that basically it kills you. Um, <laughs> eventually. Eventually it kills you. Uh, it's a very flavorful card. It prob probably will see some play in uh, in limited for sure. Uh, so you choose the mode as the triggered ability is put on the stack. So you don't get to choose the mode like when you cast it. You don't have to choose what order you're going to use these things in. Um, you choose first at the beginning of the first upkeep that is in play, and then you choose again at the beginning of the second upkeep that's in play. Um, <clears throat> so you can only choose legal modes. So that means, like, if your opponent has given themselves Hexproof somehow, they have a Witchbane Orb or a Leyland of Sanctity in play. Yeah, there's actually a card um, in this set that does it, too. Gives them uh, you, you, can't, you can't target them, so you just can't choose that mode, so you'll die a turn earlier. Uh, if the ability somehow were to get countered, for example, your opponent gains Hexproof after you target them, uh, then you've still chosen that mode. You don't get to choose it again later. Uh, and then if this enchantment somehow becomes a new object, it leaves the battlefield and comes back or you cast a second one or, or something else. Uh, it only cares about modes that were chosen for that permanent. If it becomes a new permanent, you get to start over. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I think that's like other than the fact that it's a very flavorful card for, yeah. for Liliana. I don't think there's much to point out about this. Yeah, I, for, I have a question for having text we've never seen before. I actually think it's pretty easy. Go ahead, Brian. OK, so we're at you know, a a competitive REL sealed Grand Prix. All right. Okay. I play Demonic Pact, and on my very next upkeep, I forget the trigger. Yeah. Is that is that detrimental or not? In my opinion, that is detrimental. Jess? I 100% disagree. 
This is not a detrimental trigger. All right, so let me give you my okay. logic, Jess, because Brian just had to go here. Um, so, all right, so Jess, let me ask you, if if the only mode they have left was you lose the game, would you call it detrimental? Uh, this is the same question as Dark Confidant. I'm at two life and I have a Dark Confidant. Like, it's the same question. Um, I, I, I don't think that saying... I, at the point where we go, yeah, I'm, I remembered this three times in a row and suddenly forgot it the fourth time, I'm way less interested in them getting a warning and I'm more interested in give, having a conversation sure. about choosing to, 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 to forget this trigger, which you can't do. Um, I, I think that there's no way we get into that situation without a DQ investigation happening. And every way we do get into the situation is uh, I drew my two cards because I was excited and then the ne- I don't care about this anymore, so I forgot it. Um, like... Uh, I don't think this is a detrimental trigger. This does good things for you up until the point where you lose the game. But every good thing is getting you closer to losing the game. Right, but I wouldn't play this card. I wouldn't even come close to playing this card without the triggered ability. Of course, but I think <laughs> I think this is one where that that rule of thumb doesn't doesn't hold up as well as it does everywhere else. Um, I mean, I I think that your argument is if that's the only mode left, I give them a warning. And my, well, I think if that's the only mode left, you should go get the head judge. My, um, my argument is if, the, if that's the only mode left, you want, you feel like you need to give them a warning. So then I extrapolate that to if there are only two modes left and they forget the trigger, well, I still feel like that's close enough to only one mode left that it should be a warning. And so right. and this there, is, and this I go is why, all the way up. You know, this is why we don't have things where we we don't, we, we don't consider the game state, right? And right. part of the game state is what's been chosen before. Um, so th- this is... This is not I, I would say this is not a detrimental trigger and I, I understand you would disagree with me and I'm sure somebody will come out and say uh, give a more definite answer well let's just yeah. let's just I like uh, say who's right based on Facebook friends oh right that should be the new way to settle all judge arguments uh, yes unfortunately so, you both have most... far more than me so <laughs> I, I kind of I look at it as every time you miss every time you miss this trigger you just gain a turn yeah right like so. you have when this when this card comes down, you've got four turns, and if you miss the trigger, well, you just you just bought an extra turn. Yeah, that's how I look at it too. That's a that's a that's a potentially big advantage. Now, I, if I, I, you're wrong, like, so so I get what you're up? saying, but we're talking about a trigger that draws you cards, makes your opponent discard cards, and kills a thing. Yeah, well, I I ask because I'm really I'm really uncertain. Like I can see it going either way. I firmly believe this is not a detrimental trigger. I have a feeling this is one Toby will talk about specifically at some point. Or it'll be the mistriggers guide. Well, that is done by mere mortals, not by Toby, who no, has made his own. It's not done cat. by mere mortals. It is calculated by one <laughs> ape Corson. Yeah, that's true. Who is not a mere mortal. So a good combo with demonic pack is to cast displacement wave and ca- and get it back into your hand, so you don't lose the game. What's displacement wave? You ask. Why, it's a spell, costs X blue blue, and says return all non-land permanents with converted mana costs X or less to their owner's hand. I use good in quotation marks there. <laughs> You'd be paying six mana for this. Um, so, more important thing to say here is if you have any tokens out or if anyone has any tokens out uh, that are not already a copy of something else, then they don't have a converted mana cost, and that converted mana cost is going to be zero. Um, I'm sorry. They, they don't have a mana cost, so their converted mana cost will be zero. So they're always going to get bounced to hand by this and then eventually cease to exist. And as I mentioned earlier, the double-faced planeswalkers are, all have a converted mana cost of zero on the backside. So if they have a planeswalker out, 
you can pay zero for displacement wave and bounce that planeswalker. Super All right. cool. Erebos' Titan. This is for one black, black, black. It is a creature giant. It's 5-5 five, five that says, uh, as long as your opponents control no creatures, Erebos' Titan has indestructible. So it is not going to die in creature combat when your opponents have no creatures. Correct. Because it's indestructible, <laughs> yeah. right? It's just a rich um, gets richer situation. Right. Um, whenever a creature card leaves an opponent's graveyard, you may discard a card if you do return Erebos' Titan from your graveyard to your hand. Okay, so um, this thing attacks. Uh, the, opponent, uh, the opponent has a 5-5 also and blocks Erebos' Titan. The first question is, well, does Erebos' Titan gain indestructible before it would die from combat damage? And the, the answer is no. All, all damage is dealt at the same time. All creatures die at the same time. In, in, in combat, you deal with state-based actions. Uh, if, they, if they have lethal damage on them, you cart the dead bodies off the field. Um, I'm not quite dead yet. <laughs> I'm not dead yet. Oh, you will be. All right. Um, if it becomes indestructible and has five damage marked on it somehow, so uh, and then an opponent plays a creature, well, it's going to lose indestructible and damage stays on the creature until the end of turn. So it's got that damage marked on it. It's going to flop over and die. Um, and then the last ability, it says uh, whenever a creature card leaves an opponent's graveyard, Okay, it's for any reason, uh, you will be able to discard a card. And if you do, uh, return Erebos' Titan from your graveyard to your hand. To my hand? To your hand. Come on, man. Sorry, man. Right. So that's only from your graveyard to your hand. That does, that, so that's something that doesn't work from the battlefield. Right. You can't, you can't discard a card and return it from your graveyard to your, uh, from the battlefield to your hand. Huh. Huh. I'm trying to uh, try to figure out how I would ever use this card profitably. And there might be a thing. Anyway, uh, persist. Um, I mean, if your opponent has persistent uh, yeah. features, this will trigger. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I don't know that swamp that bajuka bog. It's a it's a it's a five five for four that's conditionally indestructible, and presumably it's gonna kill a few things. So conditionally in the direction you don't want it to be. Well, yeah. I'd rather be shields down when they have no creatures. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Jess, you want to talk about some exquisite firecraft? I do, as a matter of fact. Uh, so exquisite firecraft is a sorcery for one and two red. Uh, exquisite firecraft deals four damage to target creature or player and has an ability spell mastery. Uh, if there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, Exquisite Firecraft can't be countered by spells or abilities. So uh, it can still be targeted by counter spells. It just can't be countered, uh, which is really interesting. If um, th this this is just a continuous effect that the spell has, this is not part of casting it. This is not part of resolving it. This is just a thing. So if your opponent tries to counter the spell, you can respond with more instant sorceries to make it uncounterable. Oh, look at that. Oh, uh, that's so. A good, yeah, that's a good way to make it um, 
to make it have spell mastery in the middle of the spell resolving. Oh, uh, just just and sucker. Yeah. Well, not in, not not in the middle of it resolving, but like while it's on the stack, right? Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So like you 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 mana leak it, and I only have two up, so I I shock you and lightning bolt you in response. And then uh, I tap my Chandra and right. um, just taste and you're wrecked, right? Right. Um, yes, that's Christmas Ryan said. land. <laughs> taste it. That's sweet. Taste it. Um. Uh, so this, this can't be countered by spells or abilities. The reason it says by spells or abilities is that it can still be countered by game rules. If the target somehow becomes illegal or any number of other things happen, the spell can be countered. Not to be confused with Gilded Drake, which can't be countered except by spells and abilities. Yeah, just stop bringing that up. <laughs> I will never stop bringing exist. up Gilded Drake. Uh, Wait, is that the wording on the card? Yeah, because they want it to still resolve even if uh, the target becomes illegal. <laughs> See, it's weird. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's about it with Exquisite Firecraft. Oh, this ability can't be countered. Yep, except by spells or abilities. Okay, not the creature. All no, right. No. <laughs> I was All just right. like, wait a, wait a second, what? <laughs> That'd be weird. All <laughs> yeah, right, guys. Like this creature can't be countered except by the, the only things that can counter it. Uh, guy's Revenge, which is a repre- repeat from the Plane of Dominaria. Guy's Revenge can't be countered, so all that junk we just said still applies. Uh, haste and guy's revenge can't be the target of non-green spells or abilities from non-green sources so i saw a lot of questions on this on if uh abzan charm can target it because abzan charm is uh, i'm gonna show how much i don't play and say white green black yes yes nailed it uh so can it target that and the answer is yes yes it can because abzan charm is green therefore it is not non-green uh along the same lines most equipment can't ever actually be attached to Guy's Revenge because equipment is not green. Most of it isn't. Oh, yeah. Was that Mage Bane? Is that it? Or Mage that Bane armor is uh, not color- uh, is colorless. Mage Slayer. There we go. That's Mage? that. Oh, yeah. Mage Slayer is, uh, if you're, I guess, if you were going to pick an equipment from that set, that is one. <laughs> that, is, <laughs> that is one you could name. That is one, yes. <laughs> All uh, right. Was All there right. others? Brian, uh, there was, the green white one was just so much better. Was that the that was? A, I don't remember that one. I can't remember the name now. Was it the crown? But it was like a mini no, loxodon hammer. Oh yeah, I don't remember what that one was either. It, it was, is. Uh, hold on, I got. I got. It's behemoth sledge. Behemoth sledge. Behemoth sledge. Yes. Oh man, this thing with a behemoth sledge get wrecked exactly and the reason i found that is because i searched for hammer and the german name for behemoth sledge is behemoth vorschlaghammer i like that by the way that old card we were talking about is obsidian fireheart where the land continues to burn i found it by searching continues to burn man somebody just referred to his endicar card as an old card and that makes me sad i know it was it's before i was a judge like really Zendikar? yeah that's why i started playing again is it just me or is, I, I kind of think that like on anything bef- anything after onslaught you can't really call an old card. Sorry, disagree. It, it is disagree. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Mirrodin Kamigawa, those aren't those are old cards for you. Of course, Mirrodin yep. Kamigawa are absolutely. Uh, well, okay. When does just okay? Uh, Mirrodin is that uh is that old? Oh, not Mir. Uh, sorry, it's okay. Mir. Uh, for, me, for me, anything prior to Time Spiral. Okay, so so Kamigawa, Ravnica are old cards. Time Spiral is not old. It's or is that the like borderline. So Lore and Shadowmoor are new cards. To me, they're, they're, they're four fine. years ago. Yeah. So that's why I was shocked by Innistrad being four years ago, because 
it's moving into the realm of old cards. See, I guess I, I actually kind of, yeah, I was just, <laughs> I was just looking at, I was just like, I was like, what year was my daughter born? And the, the first thought was, when did dissensions come out? <laughs> that was, that was the, uh, that was the, the, the year math I did. Okay. Didn't, didn't um, you name your daughter Aurora? Uh, I did not. Oh, okay. Weird. Well, let's although, talk about the although, great Aurora anyway. Although when, when trying to name her, I took it, I took it as my job to try and make fun of every name that my wife at the time came up with, mm. you know, because she was like, why are you doing this? Is because if I don't, the kids in elementary school will. Right. You can't name her. Yeah. I don't know. Dark so the Great Aurora. Okay, the Great Aurora <laughs> is uh, for six green, green, green. It is a sorcery that says each player shuffles all cards from his or her hand and all permanents he or she owns, so not controls, but owns, um, uh, into his or her library. Because it would be really awkward if you took someone, if you shuffled someone else's cards into your library, then draws that many cards. Each player may put any number of land cards from his or her hand onto the battlefield, exile the Great Aurora. So the first thing is uh, fish are friends, not food. Uh, I mean, tokens are permanents. Uh, uh, if this makes you draw more cards than you have in your library, you're going to lose. Yeah. If both players have to draw more, uh, it's going to be a draw. And the the final thing about this card is this apparently is some big story point yeah from from shadow War. So, 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 CJ, so what's the great aurora what is it it's it's when it swaps from um not morning lorwyn lorwyn morning tide was was like this spring summer world yeah mm -hmm. and then the great aurora happened due to culfiner and some stuff and then uh and then we had this much darker world with uh shadow even tide um which was which was interesting because like the elves didn't ideologically change, but because they went from this like very pretty world to this very dark world, they actually shifted colors. Yeah, every, so, which is way too deep for the show. But but they actually is, recently is, talked about Lorwyn on uh, Card Advantage. I wasn't on that episode, but they did go deep into this. Really? Yeah. So like, what what caused the Great Aurora? Una. Oh yeah, I'm sorry. It was Una, wasn't it? Yeah. My bad. I think I said Colfiner and Oh well he was trying to like take advantage of it or something. I right. Don't know. I didn't like Lorwyn at all. So wait, the elves the elves didn't change ideologically, but they changed so, so the I mean they did a little bit. They did a little bit. So so they were like obsessed they're obsessed with uh like beauty and things being pretty and destroying ugly things. Yeah. Which in a world that is mostly full of beautiful stuff means they're just hunting down like the weak ugly things like the goblins and just yeah. killing them. Which makes them like very evil. And and clearly in the black part of the, oh, the like color pie. Bull, bull but when we shift over to a world that's just being completely oppressed by monsters, they become the saviors of everything. Huh. Yeah. So they're green. -white. I had not given that any. I had not thought of that. Yeah. Huh. That's why they shift for, shifted from black to white, but they didn't actually change much at all. You should have been on that card advantage, Jess. I feel like you know more. <laughs> I, I'd always just been like, it's like I don't really understand why they did a swap thing, but it's it's cool, so go with it. <laughs> yeah, the whole world changes over. Yeah, and Kiskin just became creepy. <laughs> yeah, they well, did. they did. They look like the the things from the Dark Crystal after they got all the the life sucked out of them. The little yeah, because they they went from having like a mild telepathy to having like a forced hive mind or something. 
Yeah, just with the big eyes, big dead white eyes. Oh, exactly. The right. stuff of nightmares. Jess, can you tell us about Hallowed Moonlight? Remember when uh, I was going to remove this card from the show notes and you guys are like, ah, it'll be fast. It'll be fine. Let's leave it. What, the Aurora? Yeah. I didn't say it would be fast. I said <laughs> we should talk about it. All right. right. All right. Now I'll talk about Hallowed Moonlight. So Hallowed Moonlight is an instant for one and a white. Until end of turn, if a creature would enter the battlefield and it wasn't cast, exile it instead. Draw a card. Um, in limited, this is just going to be something you use to to draw a card. To draw a card, yes. Like it's basically cycles. Um, but it, it, this might see some play in modern. Like you can stop. You can stop Splinter Twin with it. Um, you can stop Collect Company with it. There are a lot of uses as a sideboard card in modern, so it's probably going to see play. Um, it, yeah, and no tokens can come into play after this resolves uh, until the next turn. Um, if somebody's trying to reanimate something or flicker something or persist something or undying something or, you know, put a creature into play if it wasn't cast, uh, it will stop that. Um, yeah, you can't really... And, um get someone with like show and tell with this because you don't have to put something down with show and tell although you still get a freebie assuming the opponent casts a show and tell so that's not bad i mean that assumes that they're they're putting a creature in oh wait this isn't only opponents yeah that's a good point too so so like it, it probably wrecks you because you're gonna be like oh i'm i get nothing and they're like check out this omniscience dude <laughs> um so you, you're you're just done and they yeah. will be casting creatures <laughs> for free right all right fine you drew a card. Congratulations. Yeah. Um, is there anything else to talk about? about the, I, think, I think this is pretty straightforward. Uh, uh, it's it's a, suspend. clearly a plant for modern. Uh, suspend? suspend? You're still casting the spell. Yeah. yeah suspend. suspend is casting a spell. I mean, yes, suspend is casting a spell. So you can um, you can uh, suspend it and it still comes into play. So if somebody responds to your suspended creature with this, um, you just you know put your Rifting Clouds get into play and attack them for two. All right, let's talk about Liliana, heretical healer, and Liliana, defiant necromancer. Who's she defying? Demons? All right, she's a 2-3 uh, with lifelink. Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile Liliana, heretical healer, then return her to the battlefield transformed under her owner's control. If you do, put a 2-2 black zombie creature token onto the battlefield. I like she gets that little bonus zombie when she transforms. Did, did, you, read, did you read the story for her? Uh, yes, but this card is just a hit. I mean, just a home run. On, I already on that. knew all of that because it'd been in a web comic. But Oof. as a true fan, I guess like they acted like all these stories are new, but but Nissa's and Liliana's aren't new at all. Very upsetting, Brian. Sorry, man. Gideon's was also not new. Uh, I have not oh. actually read Gideon's yet. Oh, okay. Never mind. But okay. Anyway, <laughs> um, so we'll talk about uh, that trigger a little bit there. So we haven't mentioned this, but for any of these planeswalkers, the either triggered ability or the activated ability that would actually transform them, if you kill them in response to that ability, they're not going to come back because they never got exiled by that trigger because they're going to be in the graveyard. So they have to be on the battlefield to actually get them to come back. It's not some trick you can do to kill them and then it gets exiled from the graveyard or something. That just won't happen. Also... So if you have a bunch of creatures die around her, which seems fitting, uh, this trigger is going to trigger a bunch of times, of course. But only in the case of the first trigger will she actually be exiled and come back, which will actually exile and come back, and then you get the 2-2 zombie. And then the 
subsequent triggers won't actually give you a zombie because it has that nice little if you do clause. So only the first one's going to exile her and bring her back. Nothing else will actually do a trigger. Uh, I'm not going to go through her Planeswalker side except for mentioning her plus, which is plus two each player discards a card. Um, some people get a little confused how to do this, but it's pretty simple. Is first the active player puts a card like face down saying, hey, I'm going to discard this. And then the other players do it in turn order. And then everything gets discarded at once. So you don't get to know what is actually being discarded. But for, I mean, the active player doesn't really have to make a choice first. But it's, the point is you don't actually see what each player discards before you choose what to discard. All right. Next one is Mizium Meddler for two and a blue. It is a creature, Veldikin Wizard. It is a 1-4. Did you say Veldikin? No, Mizium. Uh, Velda, Veldalkin. Veldalkin, whatever. Veldikin. Yeah, Veldikin is such a great name, though. <laughs> Hello, I'm Veldikin. <laughs> Veldikin. Vidalkin, whatever. Um, this is this arms. is this is right around the time that I got back into it, like the last time, and I just kind of was like, I just called it what I wanted because I was still learning all the cards. Just names. like Karark. You know, let's be honest. How many times have you actually heard that card name said out loud by an authoritative source? Me. What you? <laughs> <laughs> like the way I said that? It's like you. Yeah. Oh. Carry on talking okay. about Spell Sky okay. number two. Mizium Meddler, Spell Sky 2.0, has Flash. Um, uh, and the ability, when Mizium Meddler enters the battlefield, you may change a target of, uh, of target spell or ability to Mizium Meddler. So, um, the, the, one of the questions that we get frequently with Spell Sky is can I target this spell or ability? And the answer is with 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 Spellskite and with this card is is always yes. You know um, now whether or not it's going to do anything is a different story. Um, so you can target auras on the stack. You can target uh, equipment activations. Uh, they might not might not do anything, but uh, the 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 auras on the stack will. Um, so uh, you equipment can say, activations okay. will if it's your own equipment. Yes, if you're if you're changing <laughs> the target of I've your own that. equipment activation, yeah. Uh, okay, I mean, I've done that. I've done that with Batter School when they're like, "I'm going to kill the guy you just targeted with it." I'm like, "I'll I'll redirect it to to Spellskite and then attack you for four. That's fair enough because right. you don't have to re you don't have to repay the equip cost. Yeah. Um. Okay. So you say you look at it and you say, "I'm going to change a target of that spell." to to Mizium to Mizium Meddler. So first off, you can target anything. Okay. Um, if it if the spell doesn't have a target, then obviously you're not going to be able to change the target. Um, if it does have a target and you change to Mizium Meddler, uh, Mizium Meddler has to be a legal target for the spell when the ability resolves. So like in the case of equipment, where it's your opponent's equipment, well, equipment can only equip you know, the, the controller of the equipment's creatures. So the ability, this ability wouldn't, uh, wouldn't change that target. Uh, if it's can only target red creatures, well, it's not going to be able to switch over from, uh, to Mizium Meddler, that kind of thing. And then finally, if Meddler leaves the battlefield before the target changes, the target won't change at all. So cool. All right, Jess, can you talk about that? Oh, I get the counterspell. Sweet. Yeah, I get the lame one. 
I, I consider going for it again like I did to Brian and I didn't do it. Yeah, I, I would have had none of this. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. It's not going to work. Okay. Is that a psychic uh, rebuttal you just gave me? Yes. So psychic rebuttal is an instant for one in a blue counter target instant or sorcery spell that targets you. Um, it has spell mastery. So if there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you may copy the spell countered this way. You may choose new targets for the copy. Um, so a couple things. You only get to copy the spell if it was countered. If the other spell also has spell mastery that says it can't be countered, like the one we talked about earlier, you don't get to copy it uh, because it wasn't countered. Um, another thing, you aren't casting the copy. It's just being put on the stack. Uh, as with all copy spells, if there are any modes that they're locked in, you don't get to change them. Um, you do get to choose any new, any new targets for it because the spell says you do. Uh, but you can't change the number of targets, just what they are. And if there are any additional costs for the spell, you don't you don't get to pay them now. Uh, and you also don't have to pay them now, which is relevant for additional costs like sacrifice a creature. Yeah, that's a big one. You don't have to do it. Um, yeah, the interesting thing here, too, is also it says counter target insert sorcery spell that targets you. Um, you don't have to be its sole target, just one of its targets. Right, right. Um, I'm not sure if there's any cards in this set that can do that, but it's a thing. Yeah, I'm not sure how much play this card will see. This seems extremely narrow. <laughs> like, this is so narrow. I don't even think I can fit this into my type four. I think it would be the worst counterspell in the whole thing, and it has some really bad counterspells, and I think this would be worse. It is so like, narrow. Let me think. Hold on. No, this doesn't even work against, like, Storm because they just make a, they, they make too many copies. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I can't think off the top of my head of any any time I would sideboard this in, and I definitely don't main dick this in any format, <laughs> even limited. Yeah. So, all right, I get Starfield of Nyx. <laughs> Matt Tayback hates us. Um, Starfield of Nyx. What was the hits? Yeah. Did you see his comment on Twitter about the Judge yeah. Hall of Fame? Yeah, he said he said uh, that he didn't get elected into the Hall of Fame, and then he said today we. <laughs> previewed opal he just called it opalescence and he said actions have consequences <laughs> uh, all right starfield and nix so at the beginning of your upkeep you may return target enchantment card from your graveyard to the battlefield so there's other text too but let's stop here and talk about this one real quick um so if you were to happen to return an aura to the battlefield it gets into that weird area where you can actually attach it to anything that it could legally be attached to that you want so because the aura coming back into the battlefield isn't targeting anything, it can actually ignore shroud. Now, what it can't ignore is protection from that color or protection from enchantments or anything like that. But you could sneak it onto like a pacifism onto your opponent's hexproof creature if you really wanted to. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that if there is nothing legal that it could be attached to, once again, an aura, if there's nothing legal it could attach to, you can't bring it back it would actually just stay right where it was even if you targeted it with the starfield nix okay now the next line as long as you control five or more enchantments each other non r enchantment you control is a creature in addition to its other types and has base power and toughness i'm sorry and it has base power and base toughness is that new wording each equal to its converted mana cost so so one thing to note real quick before I get too deep into that is if you put an aura on an opponent's creature, it's still an aura you control. 
So right. it counts for the as long as you control five or more enchantments clause right. here. So so it counts for your devotion to enchantments. Yes, your devotion to enchantments. Yes. Um, so I think the biggest question we're going to see about this is how does it interact with the gods from Theros? <clears throat> so Heliod costs three and a white, and um, like all the gods, he says his devotion is five or less. He is not a creature. So huh? interesting. Yeah, so timestamps actually matter here because if the starfield came out, what am I about to be wrong? I don't no, think no. so. Okay, if the starfield came out first, uh, it makes turns Heliod into a creature, right? And then Heliod's abilities, assuming you have, um, you don't have devotion, applies second and removes the the fact that it's a creature from it. So uh, what ends up happening is you just have a basically just a basic heliod as if starfield wasn't out at all but if heliod came out first and starfield comes out after it well we don't really care what your devotion is at this point because the starfield is going to turn heliod into a creature and his power and toughness will always be four four that's his and, and that's his convert man cost and it's relevant to point out here that the timestamp is not when you met the condition it's not well yeah. i now yeah, i have devotion or now i don't have devotion so the timestamp is now no no, no the timestamp no matter when you got devotion or, or lost it, the timestamp is when that permanent came into play. Yep. And also, it doesn't matter when you con started controlling five or more enchantments or not. Uh, it's, exactly. It's when Starfield came out and when Heliod came out. Yes. All right. Brian? Yep. You have... Uh, I know. You have <laughs> right. Right. This, is, <laughs> this card is, is fitting for me. This card is called Tragic Arrogance. For three white-white, um, for each player... Uh, choose from among the permanents uh, that player controls an artifact, a creature, an enchantment, and a planeswalker. Then each player sacrifices all other non-land permanents he or she control. Um, so these first things, uh, you were doing the choosing. Yeah, isn't that sweet? Right. So it's not like, okay, everybody gets to pick, you know, one, their, their best thing and then get rid of the rest uh, of each type. It's nope. You get to say, uh, you lose your, uh, you know, force of savagery. You work so hard to keep on the battlefield. <laughs> and instead you get to keep your, your O one or your Mizium, uh, what was that? Mizium hoots it. Which, uh, uh, by the way, Medler, that's already Force of Savagery out. <clears throat> as Trample. Ah, oh, crap. Yeah, I, you get wrecked. Man, yeah. oh, right. once again. <laughs> and those were in the same set, too, I think. Oh, they probably were. Those big T's. All right. Uh, the next thing is these choices don't target. So, like, protection from white, hexproof, shroud, none of, none of that is going to work. Um, you must make a choice if one exists, uh, but you can cast the spell if the choices don't exist. So the there doesn't have to be a artifact and a creature and enchantment uh, on, on the battlefield, but if there's a planeswalker, uh, uh, no, you're choosing, you have to choose that one to keep for each player. Yep. Uh, and also, um, if you choose an artifact creature... Uh, or if there is an artifact creature, you can say, or if your opponent has an artifact creature, you can say like, well, for the creature, I'm going to choose that uh, onulet. And for, for the creature, I'm going to choose onulet. And for the artifact, I'm going to choose 
that onulet. Because you don't want it to die, because otherwise they'd gain life. I mean, right? <laughs> uh, right. Yeah, but although really, you'd want to do that. You'd want to choose that for your own. S- no, yeah, you'd want to choose oh, it for their sacrifice. Everything that yeah, wasn't yeah. chosen. Yeah, yeah. I so. want my guy to keep his onulet or his bottle gnomes or yeah. whatever. So through if through some random means Sounds- they have an artifact creature enchantment planeswalker out, <laughs> you can make them sacrifice everything except for that single permanent because you can choose that permanent for each of the choices Oof. Oof. okay now if they have an artifact creature enchantment planeswalker land out you can make them sacrifice all their permanents except lands so so <laughs> all right jess you have the tel- all right. telepath as we say i do that is what we say all the time yeah all the time i get that a lot yeah uh telling the telepaths two colorless two blue sorcery Target opponent reveals the top seven cards of his or her library. You may cast an instant or sorcery card from among them without paying its mana cost. Then that player puts the rest into his or her graveyard. Spell mastery. If there are two or more instant and or sorcery cards in your graveyard, you may cast up to two revealed instant and or sorcery cards instead of one. Um, so you... Uh, this is pretty straightforward. They, they reveal the top seven cards. Uh, you cast if you're casting two spells, you you choose the spell and then you choose another spell and you just choose what order you're casting them in uh, and to put them on the stack in that order. And then the resolve from the top down. Uh, if, I think we had a pancake analogy a while back. I'd like to run with that again, uh, since <laughs> we were just talking about amulets, apparently, and it made me think of omelets for breakfast. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you, they just you know, last in, first out. And uh, you don't have to pay uh, any of the alternate costs. You, oh, sorry, you can't pay any alternate costs, uh, but you can pay additional costs. And um, let's see here. Oh, yeah, you don't have to cast any spells is the other thing. Let's say you, you have spell mastery and you only want to cast one spell. You, you can choose to only cast one spell. Cool. Yeah, because <laughs> you reveal like a lightning bolt and a counter spell. You're like, right. Ah. <laughs> that's not going that's not going to work. All right, guys. Well, like I said, we're we're wrapping up in the tease this time. Oh, um, so I think we're going to dive right into our news real quick, which we don't have too much to discuss. Of course, this is the set review show after all, or show notes or what, release notes. All right. Release so notes. First off, I wanted to talk about the Star City Games Charlotte Open, which I'm going to be at. And I believe Jess has applied for. Yes, I will be. I will also be on staff for that event. OK, yeah, I'm pretty confident. I mean, you haven't been accepted yet, so. So anyway, uh right but uh, both jess and i are going to be there and uh i think everyone should come apply for it uh the event itself is on august 22nd that weekend and the applications are open through july 20th so if you're a judge out there in the large radius of judges around scg charlotte you should apply <coughs> brian 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 what let's make this the judge cast event man I can't, Charlotte, I can't. It's, it's, I'm going. I'm going on. I'm going on a vac- family vacation yeah. that weekend to Charlotte. No, not to Charlotte. All right. No, I think it is. No, it's I'm at, pretty sure it is. Yeah, Look. he has that telepath power. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, it is now. You you are now going to Charlotte. No, it's. I had to. Uh, so last year, this is just real real quick. So last year, uh, I got. Uh, I got. I was accepted for uh, Pro Tour Honolulu. And uh, arranged to go turn it into a big family vacation. I was going to take my daughter. And then uh, while I was working, I was going to take my mom 
also. Uh, and then like two days after I bought the tickets, uh, my dad has a, had a heart attack. And so my mom wasn't able to go because uh, she had to stay back and take care of my dad. And then obviously I didn't have anyone to, to uh, watch my daughter anymore. And then I had to go up to, to Virginia and use vacation that I wasn't planning on. So I, I couldn't afford to, to, to go anymore uh, from, a, from vacation time. And so I had to, had to cancel, but I already had these tickets um, that I was able to, to get the, the airlines to basically give me a year extension. So I turned that into a vacation again this summer. So we're going to try this again <laughs> this year. So I got better no, hopes. No, I, I do have better, better hopes, hopes, although I'm going to the Bahamas during hurricane season, which huh. is, uh, yeah, we'll see how that works out. All right. So the other little bit of news. Um, by the way, I'll, I'll, I'll include link to that application in the show notes, but got a little bit of news is you may have yeah, heard Charlotte's about fun. Charlotte is fun. Uh, it's right across from the NASCAR museum. Oh, no. Oh. So and it's near a major airport. So yes, and it's four hours from my house, which is the main reason I'm going. All right. Uh, so you may have heard about a new mulligan rule out there. Uh, effectively, if you have fewer cards in your in your starting hand after mulligans uh, than the number you're supposed to have. So if you have fewer than seven cards in your hand, you get to scry one. You may have heard about this out there. And uh, the only point I really want to bring up about that is that only applies to Pro Tour Magic Origins. It does not apply at any other event, even if everyone wants it to apply. If everyone at your event is like, I want to use that rule, doesn't matter, not supported by policy, uh, that rule is only for Pro Tour Origins. I really wish they had made that much bigger and bolder in the article that announced it. Yup. Yup. So, so no, it's not your mulligan rule. Yeah. Uh, almost everything in that article only applies at Pro Tour Magic Origins. Like, the on-camera stuff uh, obviously doesn't apply at your PTQ. You can have lands wherever you want at your PPTQ. Unless, unless you have, you know coverage on your PPTQ and the coverage people are like no <laughs> if that happens yes all right we're obviously going to skip emails as we usually do on this episode um i believe our next episode will be about the new ipg that's coming out so we will uh assuming it's big enough for an episode so we'll probably get caught up on emails there uh, beyond that though if you want to email us about any cards perhaps you <laughs> think we missed i didn't leave out the the precursor golems of the set this time uh, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast or follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. All right, guys, you guys have any any additional things you want to add before we go? I think this is a cool set, honestly. It is. It's, it's, uh, some people don't like it, but I, I don't know. I think it's really cool. I think those people have no soul. Ah, yes, that's probably right. They probably made a demonic pact. All right, well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, too, for being here once again. My name is CJ Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks. I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman, and I keep it origins null. <laughs> it is. Origins.